What is up, everybody? Welcome to Supernatural Saturday for Saturday, June 10th. I am Praying Medic, your host. We do uh, Supernatural Saturdays here on my Telegram channel on the second Saturday of every month at 1 p.m. Eastern. And that gets it to be a little bit fun because uh, we do time changes, time zones, and Arizona doesn't do time zone changes. So sometimes it's 11 a.m. for me, sometimes it's 10. Uh, this is a uh, going to be a, a, an interesting broadcast. I'm going to cover a lot of different subjects. Uh, for the last four months, I've done question and answer sessions last month. Turned out to be quite a bit of praying for people. Uh, I'm going to do a little monologue this month, and uh, I'm going to talk about a lot of different subjects. I've been looking at the requests in the chat from yesterday, uh, things people wanted me to talk about, uh, just to, to kind of let you know how this uh, how this whole thing goes. Um, although I uh, respect the requests of everyone, there are certain issues that are of only um, interest to only a small number of people. So someone posted in the chat yesterday a request that I discuss um, psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. And uh, that would be a broadcast that would be uninteresting to 95% of the people. Uh, they just, they don't deal with that. They wouldn't find that very interesting. I know it's of interest to people who have that condition. So, uh, I, I respect the request, uh, but number one, it's it's not a subject that is of interest to a lot of people. Number two, I really haven't looked into um, that condition, don't know much about it. Uh, like all health conditions, uh, conditions like psoriasis or um, Hashimoto's or any other illness can have one of three causes. It can either be a purely uh, physiological or an organic uh, condition that can be treated either pharmacologically or it can be treated naturally with supplements and you know diet uh, changes. That's one cause. Some of these illnesses have an emotional trauma root. Emotional healing helps those. And some of these issues are demonic and deliverance is indicated. Uh, that's true with all conditions. And uh, so I, I don't I tend not to just give people kind of a, um, you know, a one, uh, one size fits all answer where you say it's always this or it's always that, because that's not true. With all health conditions, there are three possible causes. If you try one thing and it's not working, try something else that doesn't work, try something else. Um, that's just kind of how uh, the healing process works. All right, there was also a request uh, from, a few people uh, who asked me to talk a little bit about Andrew Whalen and Johnny Enlow and Mr. Miyagi. So um, I have known of Johnny Enlow for about 10 years, primarily from, from my days in Facebook. And I am back on Facebook, by the way. Uh, my page is live on Facebook, but I'm not live streaming there today because we're gonna be talking about politics and I am not discussing politics on Facebook right now. I'm just doing uh, spiritual issues on Facebook. Don't want to get my page taken down. Having said that, uh, I've known Johnny uh, for a while. I have his phone number. He has mine. We text each other occasionally, but we're just acquaintances. I don't uh, I don't know a lot about him personally. We've never met personally. Um, 
an, an acquaintance, good guy. Uh, I do appreciate his revelation and his heart for teaching people about uh, prophetic lifestyle. Andrew Whalen, uh, I recently connected with Andrew uh, after he started uh, doing shows with Elijah Streams. Like Johnny, I'm an acquaintance of Andrew's. I've never met him personally. We haven't even talked to each other on the phone, just exchanged a few text messages. It is very interesting, the, the Mr. Miyagi connection <laughs> between Andrew and me. And you can go back to his one of his very first Elijah Stream interviews from a couple of months ago, where he discusses how he met this man who was a prophetic, uh, kind of a prophetic father figure who looked like Mr. Miyagi. And he tells a story about how this guy was involved in the intelligence community and uh, the Great Awakening was being planned. This guy knew the plans of the Great Awakening. And uh, then the guy passed away and then he showed up in Andrew's dreams. <laughs> and those of you who know the story, um, I got into Q uh, back in at the end of 2017 when I had a dream where a guy showed up who looked just like Mr. Miyagi. Showed up, started talking to me, talking like Q. And... Uh, that was that was my intro to that, that was really the, the the heads up from God that I need to get involved and start following Q and doing decodes. So uh, that's the story with Andrew Whalen and Johnny Enlow acquaintances, but really nothing more. And the Mr. Miyagi connection is very interesting. All right. Uh, you know what? I forgot something. Hang on a minute. I'll be right back. I forgot my book. All right, so you see that? Is it shining too much? This is not a game. Uh, I published the latest Q book. It is available on Amazon. Uh, yes, they, they allowed us to publish the third book in the Q Chronicles series. This is not a game. It's available on Amazon, both Kindle and in paperback. It's also available on Barnes and Noble and uh, long, Long work in progress. Finally got it out. Uh, you know what? I'm going to just really quickly give you a kind of a summary. Um, the subjects discussed in the third Q book. I'm just going to read the chapters for you. Uh, Ten Days Darkness. Uh, Ten Days Darkness is a subject that has uh, been widely discussed on social media. There's a lot of misunderstandings about the meaning of Ten Days Darkness. In this chapter, first chapter in this book, I discuss Q's intention with the posts about 10 days darkness. And it's not what most people think it is. I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> not gonna give it away, but it's not what most people think it is. Uh, myths and misconceptions about Q. In that chapter, I talk about a lot of the misconceptions people have about Q, particularly leaders in the church. And I kind of debunk a lot of the misconceptions. There is a chapter uh, that decodes the signature Iron Eagle. Interesting uh, signature by Q in that it actually has to do with um, Iran's illegal covert nuclear weapons program and how Q seemed to know months ahead of time that it was going to be exposed. There is a decode of the 
sparrow red stringers. That uh, has to do with the um, when President Trump launched that the Tomahawk missile attack on the Syrian airbase. Q seemed to know ahead of time what was going on there. Uh, there's a chapter called We Don't Say His Name uh, about you know who, Senator McCain. Uh, chapter titled This Is Not a Game, The Anatomy of a Smear Campaign is a description of how the mainstream media has smeared not just Q, but people who decode Q posts. Taking the Red Pill, Where We Go One, We Go All. Chapter 10 is uh, a decode of the signature of the Hunt for Red October. 11, uh, chapter 11 covers the three question and answer sessions that Q held, where Q talks about aliens and UFOs, uh, what President Trump's plan is with the Federal Reserve, and a lot of other questions that are of uh, interest to many people. Chapter 12 covers the posts where Q says, follow the pen. And chapter 13, it covers the post, follow the watch. So some watch proofs there. Chapter 14, uh, bait expends ammunition, one of my favorite chapters. Uh, chapter 15 is about John Durham's investigation. Chapter 16, trust the plan. And chapter 17, nothing can stop what is coming. The last chapter is kind of a brief uh, overview of where we are now um, geopolitically and, and uh, you know, a little bit of my own thoughts about where I think this is all going. So third Q book is up. Get it if you want. Uh, like I said, available through Barnes and Noble, uh, both on Nook and uh, in paperback. It's also available on a lot of ebook outlets. You can get it on um, Apple Books, and uh, like I said, it's, it's available on Smashwords, a lot of ebook outlets. And it's also available on Amazon, at least right now. They haven't taken it down yet. And we're going to see if we can get the first two books republished on Amazon that may require publish, republished him under a different title. So we'll see how that goes. All right. Uh, wanted to do a little transition here. Um, a lot of people are wondering my thoughts on the indictment of President Trump. So, uh, as you know, President Trump has been indicted uh, this week. 37 counts uh, that came out of a grand jury in Miami. Uh, it's a 38-count indictment. One of the counts is against uh, one of his assistants who just helped him move boxes. And so people have been, you know, uh, weighing in on social media, what they think is going on, what the chances are that's going to be a conviction. Uh, I, th I think that uh, I'll just give you the short Reader's Digest version of this. I don't think that President Trump is going to be convicted on these charges uh, for several reasons. Number one, this, this particular venue uh, in Miami is not like D.C. I think there's a very good chance that President Trump would get a fair and impartial jury in the Miami area. He's got a fair and impartial judge that is going to oversee the case. The charges against the president are ridiculous. And every political commentator who is I think, looking at this and from an unbiased view 
is saying that these charges are ridiculous. Um, they're, they're accusing Trump of having classified documents, having unauthorized possession of them. We're talking about a guy who was the president, who is the ultimate declassification authority. He can declassify anything he wants. He doesn't have to make an official pronouncement to declassify anything. Um, it's, it's a fishing expedition. And I, 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 I think there's no way they're going to get conviction on these charges. Just not going to do it. Uh, but that's not the point. The point of these indictments is not to get a conviction. They don't care if they get a conviction. They didn't get a conviction in the Mueller investigation. That wasn't the point of the Mueller investigation. The point of the Mueller investigation was to create a scandal where the mainstream media could for two years smear Trump and make false allegations that he is a criminal because he's under investigation. And this is the same thing. This is nothing more than an attempt by the deep state to create a narrative where the mainstream media can talk for the next two years about how Trump is a criminal. He's been indicted. Uh, we're awaiting trial. There's all this uh, you know, drama going on over it. And, and it's a smear campaign. That's all it is. Whether they get a conviction or not is irrelevant. It's not the point. They're not trying to get a conviction. They're trying to create a smear campaign. And that's what they've done. So, you know, President Trump, uh, he's, a, he's a smart guy. He is very savvy. He's wise. He's clever. He understands what they're doing. Uh, most of us saw this coming a long time ago. We've been warning people, look, they're going to indict him. That's the plan. And President Trump will be victorious in the end. Uh, this is only going to galvanize his base. It's going to draw more support. Some of the people who are anti-Trump are going to switch. Some people are going to wake up to the reality that Biden has thousands of classified documents that he did not have declassification authority over. Shouldn't have had them, had no authority to have them. When he was a senator, when he was vice president, people are going to see that there's a, you know, a, a double standard of justice. Nothing for the Bidens, and Trump gets harassed all the time. People are waking up to that reality. So this is going to be a big red pill for a lot of people. Uh, Trump's popular. The more they attack and smear Trump, the more his popularity grows. Um, the more people wake up. So I'm not concerned about this as far as as far as Trump goes. <clears throat> and just to um, I should put a and just say this, this does not, the indictment, even if he's convicted, does not stop him from running for and being elected president. The Constitution lays out three provisions to qualify you as a, uh, to run for and be elected to the office of president. You have to be a U.S. citizen. You have to be at least 35 years old. And you cannot have fought in the Civil War against the Union. Trump did not fight in the Civil War. He is more than 35 years old and he's a U.S. citizen. Those are the only qualifications for president. Uh, a criminal conviction, even a felony conviction, does not disqualify him. So this isn't going to keep him from running for president. And if they decide to incarcerate him and keep him in jail, it doesn't matter. Uh, he, he will continue running. He'll continue getting his message out. And he'll continue fighting the deep state and we're going to fight with him. <laughs> so... 
so there, you know, that's uh, that's how I see this going. Now, I am, I, I do have concerns about this, and I'm going to explain them. So, the the venue in Florida, I think, is a fairly safe venue, but there's a grand jury that is in D.C. that has also heard evidence and is likely going to bring indictments. And one commentator yesterday. Uh, said that the D.C. indictments are probably going to drop in about a month. And then there's also a grand jury impaneled in Georgia, and they're hearing evidence, and they are probably going to bring forth some indictments. She said that those indictments will probably drop in a, a month later uh, after the D.C. indictments. D.C. is not a Trump-friendly venue, uh, and I'm, I am concerned that if Trump is going to be convicted, it's going to come out of a D.C. jury. He's not going to get a fair jury. He won't get a fair judge. It's going to be a kangaroo court in D.C. And again, you know, whether or not they convict him isn't really the point. This is a smear campaign. They want to continually have headlines that they can push that suggest Trump is a criminal and he is disqualified and can't be elected president. You know, this, we just can't let this happen because it's unprecedented and he's, you know, he doesn't have the moral character. It's all narrative. So I am concerned about the D.C. Um, grand jury and the indictments because that's going to add fuel to the fire. And uh, I, my, my I'll just tell you what my concern is. My concern is that this is going to lead to uh, protests and that could potentially lead to civil unrest. And if if um, if the deep state continues pushing, continues to harass and attack Trump this way, they're poking the bear. And at some point, the bear is not going to take it anymore. And I am concerned that this is going to lead to widespread protests, civil unrest. That could lead to martial law. And that could lead to a severe constitutional crisis. And, and those are my big concerns. Um, so I would encourage you all to be praying about this. Uh, Denise and I pray for President Trump and his people every single day. We're praying for President Trump, praying for a peaceful resolution. Uh, uh, we just need to keep him and his people in prayer. Um, and uh, I'm going to segue again to something else. So there are people on social media who take the view that all of this is just uh, theater. It's all drama that um, their, their, their view is that the deep state has been neutered and that most of the people in the DOJ, FBI and intelligence community who appear to be working against Trump are actually working with Trump secretly and that this is all theater. Um, I do not believe that theory is true. Uh, I think Chris Ray is just as um, duplicitous and corrupt as he appears to be. I think Merrick Garland is just as duplicitous and corrupt as he appears to be. I don't think these people are white hats. I don't think James Comey is secretly a white hat working with Trump or any of those people. I think Bill Barr is exactly what he looks like. Uh, Trump has said it many times. Barr is a nice guy, but he's weak, ineffective, and had an opportunity to do the right thing and chose not to. 
I think when you listen to what Trump says about these people, you can take him exactly at face value. That's his assessment of these people is exactly what they are. So that's that's my perspective. You're welcome to disagree. Um, I know a lot of people who think that this is all theater. That's fine. I disagree. Uh, I think these people really are out to get Trump and they will stop at nothing to do it. And that's why I'm concerned that this is going to devolve into something very ugly. And that's why I'm continually encouraging people to pray for our country, pray for a peaceful resolution, a peaceful transfer of power. Maybe uh, we get new elections with a new system, not the rigged system. Uh, and and that's, that's my request is just have people pray into that and let's let's see see what happens all right now I'm gonna transition again uh, what has God been speaking to me about well uh, this is where I'm gonna lose a bunch of people and that's fine this next message is not for everyone if it's not for you that's fine no harm uh, God has been speaking to me for the last three years about communications uh, internet, cell phone, communications, disruptions, power grids being going down, and uh, gas prices going up, food scarcity, issues like that. Uh, I'll just say right, right up front, for those of you who are curious, <clears throat> I don't think this has anything to do with um, the Great Tribulation or anything that's you know biblical in the book of Revelation, I don't think this has anything to do with any of that. Uh, I think this is just a small time of difficulty that we're gonna have to go through before we take our countries back, plural countries, not just, we're not just gonna take the United States back. We are going to take back all of our countries from all of the corrupt leaders around the world. And we're going to disempower the uh, the satanic cabal that's running the show. So what God has been showing me over the last three years prophetically is that a time is coming when we're going to be dealing with a different form of communications. What we're used to now, the social media platforms, the email, all of that, cell phones, is going to change. That's, and that's a hard message. Because a lot of people are just locked into their lifestyle of video streaming, <laughs> their phones, they can FaceTime people, they can communicate with people anytime they want, jump on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Telegram, whatever, and communicate. Uh, I believe all of that is going to change in the not too distant future. That's what God has been speaking to me about for three years. So from 2020 on, uh, I've had hundreds of dreams about communications changes hundred i don't, can't even count in starting in 2020 and 2021 um, i started having dreams about internet disruptions social media platforms going down email platforms going down one dream that i had in particular i can just remember it was uh, in this dream i saw various email platforms like hotmail and gmail and yahoo and Comcast Mail, and all these other email platforms. And one by one, I saw these platforms going dark. They just went offline. You weren't able to, to email using those services anymore. And they just, one by one, they were just dropping off the internet. They weren't available. 
that's kind of typical of the communications disruption dreams that I've had. I've had other dreams where I saw people online trying to find certain people. There was an internet in these dreams, but it was not like the internet we have right now. It was very clunky. It was very disorganized. It was hard to find people, hard to communicate. So when, when I'm talking about uh, internet disruptions, I don't think there's going to be a complete and total loss of internet. Uh, there may be for some people for a period of time, but I think in the future, we're going to have sporadic internet uh, access. It's going to be different. Uh, <laughs> it's just not going to be like it is right now. Now, what would be the cause of such a thing? I, I can see two different scenarios. I can see one scenario where good people in the intelligence community in the military could actually want to take offline the internet for a period of time for a benevolent purpose. And what would that purpose be? Well, I'll give you one example. Uh, the, the artificial intelligence transhumanist agenda is moving ahead at light speed. Microsoft, Google, and all these other artificial intelligence producing companies are just going uh, like gangbusters trying to be the most competitive platform for artificial intelligence. Elon Musk, to his credit, uh, threw out the red flag and said, hey, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. This is very, this is a very dangerous move. Advancing all this AI technology without any kind of oversight, without any kind of regulation. This technology has the potential to threaten the very existence of humanity. That was Elon Musk. He said, the advance of AI has a potential to threaten the existence of humanity. So I can see a situation where good people in the military intelligence community, yes, there are a few of them, could decide that they're going to stop this from advancing. They could shut down access to the internet, shut down the technology, memory hole it, and we have no access to it and it just goes away. If you think that can't happen, it can happen. Uh, we lose technology all the time. As, as a world population, if you uh, think about the technological advances that came out of the Greek and Roman empires, and then what happened, what followed the Greek and Roman empires, the dark ages. Why do they call it the dark ages? Because there was a general loss of technology. Um, civilization went back backwards for a thousand years. Uh, general loss of technology and losses of technology happen. People just sort of think that the internet's always going to be around. It's always going to be the way it is. We're always going to have access to these things we have access to until we lose it. So I could see a scenario where good people uh, take down at least parts of the internet. I could also see a scenario where uh, bad people take down parts of the internet. Uh, why does Facebook give us free access to Messenger? Why does Google give us free access to Gmail? Why does Microsoft give us free access to uh, their mail service and all these other services? Because they collect our information, know everything about us. And by collecting our data, they can evaluate their plans to enslave us in their little digital gulag they can scoop up all of our information, evaluate it, look at it, and see how 
well is their plan on track or not. And that information, or sorry, those, those information platforms are only going to be available to us as long as they're working in their favor. As long as those information platforms are providing them a benefit, they'll make them available to us for free. As soon as we take their platform and use it against them and expose their corruption, they're going to take it away from us. That's why so many people were banned from YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter after the 2020 election. We had weaponized their platforms against them. We were exposing corruption and they kicked us off the platform because we were not using it the way they intended to. Well, if we have a mass awakening and a critical mass of people become aware of the realities of corruption and they're just spreading this information like wildfire on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, they would shut those platforms down in a heartbeat. They would just take away access. Gmail, Hotmail, all the other services, if, if information is spreading that is damaging to the global communists, they will shut those platforms down so we can't spread our information. So, I, like I said, I can see two scenarios where either bad actors take down access to platforms or good people take down access to platforms. I don't know which one it's going to be. Uh, that's just an esoteric discussion. I'm really not, don't want to get too heavily into that, but I can see situations where either, either could happen. So, um, God has been showing me for the last year, since May of last year, amateur radio and related subjects. Uh, <laughs> I've had easily over a hundred dreams in the last year, just about amateur radio and subjects related to amateur radio. And uh, I believe that God is preparing me to um, get me on board with and set up communications networks that will be able to function and get out a message um, after these current social media and, and email and internet platforms are no longer available. So the rest of this discussion is primarily going to focus on that. And I'm going to answer questions that I've gotten from people over the last year about this stuff. So I, I would just want to preface this with one admonition, and that is what I'm about to tell you is not necessarily for you. Don't feel like compelled, like you have to go and do everything that I'm doing. Um, that's not necessarily the case. Um, I am, uh, I have access to resources, information that most people don't have access to. I was going to say that, uh, <laughs> not everyone is able to put up an antenna for amateur radio where they can talk around the world on you know, 20 meters. It's just, it's not practical for everyone to do that. So I'm going to describe various communications, uh, options. And I just want you to realize this is not for everybody. It is for some people and I've received, you know, emails and, and from people, you know, asking questions, making statements, getting connections. Hey, you know, I, I'm into ham radio, you know, what's your call sign? You know, what, what frequency do you, do you, you know, transmit on? Um, if you are interested in learning more about any of the stuff I'm going to talk about, just email me 
either through my website, pragmatic.com, or just send me an email, uh, admin at pragmatic.com. Send me an email, ask your questions. I'll do what I can to answer your questions. But I'm going to give kind of a general overview of what God has shown me about alternate forms of communications over the last year. All right. So I'm going to start out with um, simple, basic, alternate forms of communications, something that virtually everyone can do. And we're going to start out with general mobile radio service, GMRS. GMRS is similar to amateur radio, but uh, in order to operate legally on amateur radio, you have to have a license and you have to pass a test, a knowledge test. And it's not an easy test to pass. <laughs> I studied for it for two weeks. Um, the, the amateur radio first level exam, it's a 35 question written test. It's, there's a lot of knowledge you have to uh, have in order to pass this test. You have to look at a schematic and identify a ground, a capacitor, a resistor, and you know different components on a schematic. So there's some technical um, knowledge that you have to have to get at, licensed for amateur radio. So GMRS, General Mobile Radio Service, is a license option in the United States. It is uh, you. It's a pretty simple process. You go on the FCC website. You get an FRN number. You register with the FCC. They give you what's called an FRN number. Uh, you apply for a GMRS license. You pay a $35 fee. And when you pay your $35 fee, they give you a call sign. And you can then go out and buy yourself a little mobile handheld radio and get on the channels and you can start talking to people. Now, this radio, uh, the, the GM, radios that you used for GMRS, starting out the handheld radios, they're inexpensive. You can buy them for $25. Um, for people who want to have local communications with friends and relatives within, uh, say, a 20-mile radius, GMRS is a good way to go. These radios, these a little 5-watt uh, inexpensive handheld radios, uh, Transmitting in a typical suburban uh, area are good for a few miles of range. And if you have the right kind of antenna, you can transmit up to probably 10 or 15 miles. So this is, they, these come with standard, a little tiny little rubber duck antenna about that, that long. Doesn't work very well. I recommend if you're going to get any kind of a handheld radio, get a longer antenna that's tuned to that radio frequency. These, these antennas, um, the longer ones do really well for um, boosting your uh, distance that you can transmit. If you use a particular kind of antenna called a Yagi, that's a directional antenna. So these antennas are omnidirectional. When you transmit, the radio frequencies go out in all directions. That's cool because if you don't know where the person is you want to talk to, you don't know where they are, your signal goes out in all directions, 360 degrees, and if someone is within range, listening distance, they can pick up your signal and respond to you. But again, these antennas will only give you a couple miles range as they are. 
if you get a Yagi antenna, Yagi is a directional antenna. Yagi goes, the energy goes in one direction. So you connect a Yagi antenna to your handheld and you point it in the direction where you know somebody is. Now I've got a friend who lives about 10 miles south of me and we both have the same radios, same gear. He's getting baptized. I'm baptizing him tomorrow, by the way. We have a little ceremony for him. Uh, <laughs> we're going to take him in the pool and get him baptized. But he lives 10 miles south of me. And we communicate on these little tiny handheld radios using a Yagi antenna. So he has a Yagi and I have one on mine. We point our antennas toward each other. I point my antenna south. He points his antenna north. Just handheld antennas, ground level. And we can talk to each other with really good voice quality at 10 miles distance. No repeater, no fancy gear, just a directional antenna hooked up to a little five watt radio. And we haven't done a distance test yet to see if, you know what the effective range is of those little handheld Yagi antennas, but uh, we'll, we'll do it at some point. Point being, if you're, uh, the handheld radios are a good option for communicating to people locally. Now, continuing with the GMRS radio thing, if you happen to live in a suburban area of any size or an urban area of any size, there's a good chance someone has a GMRS repeater in your area. A repeater is a radio that is at an elevated position, usually on top of a building, on top of a water tower, or on top of a mountain. It's at an elevated position, and what it does is a repeater will pick up your radio signal and it will retransmit your signal at a higher power to people that are listening within a within radius. So if you live in an area where there is a GMRS repeater that's open to the public, you can transmit on GMRS on the channel that, of the frequency that that repeater works on. And anyone in that area who has access to, that has a radio, and they can hear the repeater signal, they can pick up your signal and respond back to you through the repeater. So what does that look like? Here in the Phoenix area, we've got mountains on the east and west side of Phoenix. Uh, it, <laughs> I was talking to a friend yesterday, and he said, yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting, you know, Arizona's kind of flat. And so, you know, there's probably a lot of, a lot of amateur radio users out there because it's all flat out there. It's like, yeah, I used to think the same thing until I moved to Arizona. Uh, Arizona is not flat. <laughs> we have mountains. The, the city of Phoenix is surrounded by mountains on the north, on the east, on the west, and to the south. South Mountain Range is to the south, McDowell Mountains to the east. So <clears throat> what they've done is put radio towers and repeaters all over the mountains around Phoenix. There is a GMRS, GMRS repeater that is on a mountain called Crown King. It is 75 miles northwest of my house. And when I, and I just using this little antenna, and I turn my radio on at night, I can hear guys talking all around Phoenix area. And I can hear guys talking up in Flagstaff, up near Sedona, Payson and Prescott, because they've got repeaters up there. That repeater that's up by Crown King is almost at 5,000 feet of elevation. That little repeater puts out a signal that people can hear for 100 miles. And so um, 
GMRS is, is a potentially very useful radio platform. The radios are inexpensive. If you go on repeaterbook.com, repeaterbook.com, go on the website, put in on the tab, put in, if you live in North America, just select the North America tab, go to North America repeaters, select your state. You can also select from the menu GMRS repeaters and it'll bring up a GMRS repeater page. Put in your zip code or the name of your city and it'll tell you if there's any GMRS repeaters in your area, right? It's a real easy way to do it. Just go on there, repeaterbook.com, go to the GMRS tab, put in your zip code and see if there's repeaters, GMRS repeaters in your area. If there are, if there are, and they're open, all right? If it's a closed repeater, that probably means that it's a private repeater and you have to join a club and pay a fee to, to have access to that repeater. If it's an open repeater, anyone, the public can use it. And if it's within 10 or 15, 20 miles, you might be able to hit that repeater with a handheld radio. And if you can hit a, a GMRS repeater with a handheld radio, if you can contact that repeater, you can probably talk to people within a 50 mile radius, right? That covers any of your friends, neighbors, family, whatever in your area. If there's a repeater and if those people are willing to buy a radio. <laughs> now, <clears throat> the reason I said that, I have a lot of people who ask me, well, what should I do? I want to get a radio so that I can have, you know, in an emergency so I can communicate with people. It's, you're not the only one who has to have the radio. The other people have to have one too. <laughs> you can't just get on a radio and start talking to your family members if they don't have a radio that's able to pick up the signal where they can transmit back to you. So the first thing you have to do is find out, are your friends and family willing to buy the radio and learn how to use it? If they're not, you're gonna to have to look at something else, okay? Um, <clears throat> this is, I know that, I know that a lot of people are gonna have anxiety over this. I, I get that, but do not, make any purchases or preparations out of fear. Just don't do it. I get so many people who are like, I want to go on Amazon. I just want to buy some radios. Which ones should I buy? Don't, don't buy anything. Do some research first. Find out if the people that you want to talk to are willing to purchase a radio and learn how to use it. If they're not, you're not going to be communicating with them on radio. It's that simple. Uh, I have chosen, I've chosen to make myself available on a number of different radio platforms and whoever is available, whoever has radios, whoever has the gear and has learned how to use it, I'll communicate with them. Uh, if they're not willing to buy the radio, if they're not willing to listen, I'm not going to be communicating with them. It's that simple. You know, I can put all the messages out on Facebook I want, but if someone's not willing to go on Facebook, they're not going to hear my message, right? So people have a choice. And before you buy anything, have a talk with your friends, family members, neighbors, whoever you want to talk to. Find out, are they interested? Are they willing to purchase equipment? Are they willing to take the training and the time and learn how to use it? If they're not, move on to something else. If they are, then say, look, maybe GMRS is a, is a solution we could use for our neighborhood, for our family, for whatever. Uh, again, Find out if they're, if they're willing, if they are. Find out if there's a repeater in your area. There's a repeater, you're set to go. Get a couple of GMRS radios, mess around with them. GMRS radios, by the way, 
work on UHF frequencies between 462 and 467 megahertz. It's a very narrow band and that band is channelized. So there's channels one, channel two, channel three, channel four, channel five, all the way up to channel 23. And, and the uh, eight of those channels, channels, I think it's uh, 15 through 23 are repeater channels. You can actually use repeaters on those frequencies on those channels. Um, I, I'll, I'll say this, this warning, in a grid down situation where uh, communications have gone dark, uh, everybody and their brother is going to be <laughs> on these radios. And I'll, and I'll say this, those little cheap, inexpensive $15 radios that you can buy at Walmart in, in the blister packs, those are called FRS, Family Radio Service. Those radios can be used, no license required, but they have very low uh, power. They transmit, uh, I think, on like a, a quarter of just a few milliwatts. The coverage for those radios is about three or four blocks. Nice for kids to talk to each other, going out hiking in the woods, going to the, you know, whatever. Um, those radios are nice for kids. They're not very effective communications uh, for, for a grid down situation. And those are the same frequencies that GMRS operates on. All right, so FRS, the family radio service, little radios you can buy, no license. They operate on the same 23 channels or frequencies that GMRS operates on. The kicker with GMRS is um, you're not limited to just a five watt radio. You can use up to a 50 watt radio. They make mobile radios that you can put in your vehicle and they make base radios that you can just put on a desktop. Hook that thing to an antenna <clears throat> and you're putting out 50 watts of power and you can, you know, you can talk a long ways. Um, uh, many FARs with a 50 watt radio. So that's why I said GMRS is a little bit like amateur radio because you can use more powerful radios. Uh, doesn't require a license, no test required. And if you're interested in learning about GMRS, check out the guy who has a YouTube channel. He's also on Rumble. Um, his, his channel name is not a Rubicon. Uh, he has a really good sense of humor. He's a good teacher. And he will give you all kinds of information about GMRS radio. He's got hundreds of videos on his channel. They're all really good. All right, I'm going to switch gears now. <clears throat> We're going to talk about um, something else. I, I, I spoke recently, I think it was on, might have been, I don't know if it was Mary Grace or Elijah Streams. I talked about Meshtastic and LoRa and T-Beam. Uh, I'm not going to talk a lot about that other than to say, for local communications, within your neighborhood, with people that are, you know, within a mile of your house. You might wanna look into these LoRa T-Beam Mesh-tastic devices. It's a little tiny radio uh, that puts out, again, a few milli, uh, milliwatts, uh, transmits on the 900 megahertz, 915 uh, megahertz frequency, no license required, encrypted communications. <clears throat> With amateur radio and GMRS, you can't, uh, encryption is not allowed. <clears throat> but with, um, with LoRa, the Meshtastic devices, it pairs to your phone via Bluetooth. You send text messages from phone to phone 
using the little radio device as a uh, transmitter as the, the propagation. And the network is encrypted and the text messages are encrypted. Like I said, good for low power uh, people that are close to you that you want to just communicate with in your neighborhood. Might want to look into that. All right, we're going to shift gears again. Going to talk about amateur radio. Uh, all right. Amateur radio is such a huge subject, I, and I can't do it uh, adequate uh, justice in, in this broadcast. But I'm going to give you an overview of what God has been showing me about amateur radio and what I've done. So uh, amateur radio works on a number of different frequencies using a number of different kinds of devices to accomplish different purposes. So most people just think, you know, ham radio, it's some old guy sitting around a radio, you know, talking to some other old guy, you know, a thousand miles away. <laughs> and that is, that caricature is true in about 80% of the cases, <laughs> probably. But um, there, there's many other uses for amateur radio. So, uh, amateur radio is is actually quite advanced in technology right now. It is not the amateur radio of the 1950s, <laughs> not by any stretch of the imagination. There are still a lot of people who will only talk on uh, the, the lower frequencies, the ham bands, uh, 40 meters, 20 meters, and they talk around the country and they get on their little QSOs and they talk and jabber jaw back and forth every night. And that's, it's, it's just a hobby for them. Uh, that is a large segment of the ham radio population. <clears throat> However, in, in the last 10 years, been major refinements, additions, and breakthroughs in the use of amateur radio. So I'm going to cover some of them. Um, for listening and talking to people around the world, amateur radio is still the best game going uh, outside of the internet, right? So if we have a situation where internet goes down, where you still have power, but you don't have access to cell phones or internet, with amateur radio, you can conceivably talk to people all around the country, North America. Uh, I routinely talk to people in Georgia, Tennessee, Connecticut, Canada, South America. Um, I do make contacts in Europe, Africa, and Asia and Australia from time to time on my radio. Uh, for if you're if you're interested in being able to communicate with people uh, around the world, whether or not you have internet, um, amateur radio is is a good option. Uh, it's very dependent on atmospheric conditions. And you have to have a source of power. So the, the thing about amateur radio is um, handheld radios, for the most part, battery powered. Amateur radios, that, that the kind that talk around the world, um, not battery powered for the most part. You can, you can buy batteries to power them, but they usually have a power source that plugs into you know, a household current and you're just running it off your household uh, electricity. If you lose power to your house, then you have to have, you know, a battery backup 
and, and a lot of amateur radio operators actually have pretty comprehensive solar uh, generator and other power options, battery options. I do. Um, I've got uh, a number of a number of alternative power options <laughs> available to to power my radios and gear. Uh, so the <clears throat> if you're if you're talking about communications around the world around the country, you're talking about uh, communications on the HF bands. HF stands for high frequency. High frequency is a relative term. Uh, it's relative to low frequency. <laughs> Uh, right, so low frequency is in the band of an ultra low frequency. Uh, we're talking about three to 30 kilohertz, the kind of transmissions that they use for submarine communications. Um, that's low frequency. High frequency communication is in the three to 30 megahertz band. Within that three to 30 megahertz band, um, and amateur radio actually allows you to operate outside of those bands, but that's the one that most people, most of the equipment that amateur radio operators use is designed to work between three and 30 megahertz. Can go higher, can go lower, just depends on the, on the kind of radio you're using. So uh, those frequencies, there's allocations within that three to 30 megahertz band. There's the three and a half meter or three and a half megahertz band, which is called the uh, <clears throat> 80 meter band because one wavelength is 80 meters long. Seven megahertz is 7.3 megahertz is called the 40 meter band because one wavelength is 40 meters long. Then there's the uh, 10 megahertz band, which is 30 meters, 14 megahertz band, which is 20 meters, right? And then there's uh, the 15 meter band, 17, and 12 and 10 meter bands. Interesting little factoid, the citizen band radio, CB radio, operates on the 11 meter band. Uh, right between the 12 and 10 meter ham radio bands is the 11 meter citizen band radio. That's severely restricted as far as power, although a lot of uh, CB users um, violate the law and have overpowered CBs. And citizen band radio is, is, is another option for, for off-grid communications. So uh, here's, here's the bad news about amateur radio in the HF spectrum, where you can talk globally. The radios themselves are expensive. They're not cheap. Uh, they start at about $500 and go up to $3,000. Uh, and first you buy the radio you have to buy a power source because radios are not just plugging into the wall they actually have a couple of usually a black and a red wire sticking out the back and you have to connect those to a power source so i have a power source a 12 volt power source that i connect my radio to right a 12 volt power source is another 100 bucks um and then depending on if you want a tuner or not depending on if you want an amplifier or not you can start buying all kinds of other gear you need to have some coax cable, you need to have an antenna, you need to have, a, it's a good idea to have a, uh, a device that will analyze your antenna, antenna analyzer, it'll tell you what your SWR is. Pretty soon, you're you know, $2,000 into this ham radio project or more. So 
the warning that I have for people who are looking into amateur radio is if you're looking at operating on the HF bands that can talk around the country, around the world, it can become a very expensive proposition. Not going to lie to you. It's also, it, there's a steep learning curve um, as far as learning how to put the radio, how to set it up, how to tune your antenna, how to get on the air, how to talk to people, all that. It's it's not for the faint of heart. It's a steep learning curve. Um, and it's not something I would recommend for people just in emergencies. If you're not going to use amateur radio on a regular basis, don't go out and buy a radio just for emergencies. You're not gonna know how to use it. You're not gonna know how to hook it up. You won't have the right antenna. Uh, you could get injured because these radios put out 100 watts. And if you have an amplifier, they go up to 1500 watts and you can do some serious damage to people if you're not careful. Uh, it's so I, I do not recommend going out and just buying an amateur radio just for emergencies. That's not not a good idea. Um, if you're going to look into amateur radio, find a local amateur radio club uh, wherever you live. There's probably an amateur radio club nearby. Contact the people in the club. Find out when they meet. Uh, make some connections. Find someone who's willing to train you. Amateur radio guys are really good, and most of them are very eager and willing to train newbies. Uh, someone who trains newbies is called an Elmer. So find an Elmer who's willing to train you, teach you, teach you the ropes, show you how this stuff works, and help you use it safely. Uh, I would definitely, if you're looking to get into amateur radio, find a local club, find someone who's willing to, to, to mentor you in this and get you on the air safely, and then practice it. <clears throat> Trust me, I'm <laughs> speaking from experience. If you do not use these radios, uh, at least on a monthly basis, you will forget how to use them. And it's not that simple because if you're trying to, let's say you're on uh, one of these handheld radios, you're trying to communicate to somebody on a, on, a, on a repeater. A lot of these repeaters on the amateur side of the radio spectrum where you're using handheld radios, on the amateur side, um, most hams operate on the two meter and the 70 centimeter bands. And those are uh, UHF frequencies. And they're uh, in most suburban and urban areas, there's a lot of repeaters around that'll allow you to communicate uh, pretty long distances on those repeaters. But the repeaters have uh, PL tones and they have codes that you have to program into the radio that'll open up the repeater, let your signal in and let other people hear you. If you don't know how to program the radio and put in the codes and the PL tones, you're not going to be talking to anyone. So it's, uh, like I said, it's a steep learning curve uh, to get into this. It's not rocket science, okay? Uh, I don't have any technical background. I don't have an IT background. Uh, I was never interested in amateur radio until God started giving me all these dreams about radio. So just back to the dreams thing. <laughs> Quick segue. Uh, in God started giving me dreams about amateur radio in May of last year. And throughout the summer, it was all dreams about antennas, learning antenna configuration, learning about wavelengths, learning about the different uh, amateur radio bands, 
learning about the equipment, how to put it together, how to position antenna. God was giving me dreams night after night after night after night. I was going out in my vehicle. I was going around the area, scouting out areas where I could get good uh, radio transmissions to certain repeaters. Um, I, it was crazy how many dreams God gave me about radio. And it's kind of funny because when I post these on Telegram, people are like, oh, God's telling you that we need to connect to the Holy Spirit and, and have a better connection to God. And I'm like, okay, yeah, well, that's fine. Uh, if I had one dream about radio and antennas, maybe I would say, oh, that's a symbolic dream. You know, God wants you to connect to the Holy Spirit. But I have had hundreds of dreams about amateur radio. And uh, I'm sorry, but I think they're literal dreams about <laughs> amateur radio. And, and, and so God's been uh, steering me very carefully on this path to get up to speed on handheld radios, on amateur bands and GMRS, and on HF so I can talk around the world, and on Meshtastic, and on all these other things. Because uh, for whatever reason, God wants me to have a communications network that is resilient to um, interference. And I will tell you this, I've had a number of dreams, including one two nights ago, where God suggested that our, my communications network is going to come under attack. So I had a dream, let's see, six months ago, seven months ago, probably, where the government was trying to restrict the use of certain amateur radio bands. And I had another dream where the government was trying to locate people who were operating on certain amateur radio bands in certain areas. I had a dream two nights ago where um, that suggested that the, the mesh network that I'm connected to here in Phoenix is going to come under attack by some hackers. So God has been giving me a lot of instruction on amateur radio and communications networks. Um, it's it's just, it's kind of bizarre for me. <laughs> Denise and I, when I wake up in the morning and Denise is like, do I want to ask you if you had a dream? I'm like, another ham radio dream. She's like, oh gosh, okay. <clears throat> How much more gear are you gonna have to buy? Uh, fortunately, I think I'm done gear. So let's talk about mesh networks. Um, the amateur radio experience is not limited to just talking on a radio to somebody who's, you know, across town, across state, or across the country. It's actually a much more um, colorful experience. I think in August or September of last year, uh, the Lord started giving me dreams about mesh networks. And I was like, what is that? I had to go do an internet search and find out what mesh network was about. And <clears throat> lo and behold, I ran into this thing called the Arden mesh network, A-R-E-D-N, Amateur Radio Emergency uh, Digital Network. I think is what it means. Arden, A-R-E-D-N. Arden is a um, it's, it's a software that has been developed by amateur radio users. And what it does is create networks of nodes in a local area using uh, networking and Wi-Fi equipment and cellular network equipment. It repurposes it for ham radio. 
So we're talking about using little uh, router boards and uh, cellular type antennas and dishes, dish antennas, to connect to each other and create a mesh network. The idea of mesh networking is if you have a couple of people who are communicating to each other via internet or via radio, uh, and a third person connects to one of those people and a fourth person connects to one of those people, and they're all using the same software and they create a network, you can share all the information and communicate by email and whatever, whatever other modes you want. And as you add more users to the network, the network grows. Uh, it also provides, uh, ex it expands the network geographically and more people can connect. So <clears throat> let me explain one of the uh, things. All right, this is an antenna. Uh, it is a Microtik antenna. It's a, it's a 5G dish antenna. Inside of here, there's a little uh, computer, uh, a, uh, a board, a router board. This, this device has a router, modem, radio, and antenna all built into one device. Okay, it has, it's, it is an antenna, it's a dish antenna. It has a radio transmitter and a router and modem in it that connects to, it creates a, it creates a, a, a wireless connection and a radio connection. Using this, I can plug this thing into my computer using an ethernet cable. I plug the ethernet cable into this into my computer. My computer has a program on it, the Arden programming, and I can then point this antenna this, at, some, at a certain node located uh, however far away, 10 miles, 15, 20 miles away, connect to that node, and I can then send email. I can communicate with people on a bulletin board service. Uh, this networking has the capability of doing video conferencing like Zoom. I didn't know that until about a week ago. So I was talking to a friend of mine. He holds a workshop here in the Phoenix area. Um, I've been to two of the of the mesh workshops. And at, I, after I got my node, my antenna connected to his node, he lives up by the on the mountain. I connect to him because he is up right below this mountain pass. And he, I have good line of sight to his uh, home. And he's got a freaking big antenna on the roof of his house with a bunch of antennas on there. And I could connect to one of his antennas and I connected to his node and I got connected to the entire Phoenix mesh network. So we were talking the other night at his place and he said, Hey, I want to show you something. And he pulled up his node and he pulled up a thing called team talk. And he said, so check this out. This is team talk. And this is in every way. It's just like zoom, except it's powered by radio. So because it does full video conferencing, audio conferencing, you can turn the video on, turn the video off. You can just do voice conferencing, calling back and forth with a group of people. It does file transfers. It does chat, instant messaging chat. Like I said, there's bulletin board services on this network. Uh, just about anything that you can do on the internet, you can do on mesh networking. And here's a kicker. 
So I've got my node connected right now, and I've been checking the signal strength on a regular basis. Every morning I get up, check my signal. This morning, I have uh, my connection to the network using a dish antenna to a dish antenna that's 10 miles away. My, uh, my data uh, transfer rate right now is 60 megabits per second. That is blazing fast internet speed. You can stream high quality 4K video over a 60 megabit connection, right? And we're talking about a connection that is over radio, right? Live streaming, high quality video. That's the kind of data throughput that this network has. And so God's been, ever since last August, God has been giving me dreams about this mesh networking thing, about getting connected, setting it up, <laughs> getting on board. And, and I didn't really know what, what the deal was. Like, okay, great. We can send email. We can send, there's a bulletin board service. Like, what's, what's the big deal with this? Then I found out that it, you can do video conferencing. I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> yep, it's just like Zoom. And it is completely off-grid. A lot of the guys who have nodes in the Phoenix area power theirs with solar. It's backup solar power or generator power. So it's impervious to grid down situation. If the power grid goes down, internet goes down, cell phone goes down. Uh, the ham radio guys in the Phoenix area that are connected on the mesh network, they will be talking to each other and communicating and video conferencing, everything else. Um, as long as they, they as long as their, their power holds out. So, uh, it, it, I, I'm just kind of like, I, I'm following the Lord, following the trail, following the breadcrumbs. Each day, the Lord is giving me more information, more breadcrumbs, more, uh, more direction about where he wants me to go with this communication stuff. So let me ask, answer a couple of questions I know that people are going to ask. Right now, I am not able to broadcast <clears throat> on a particular frequency, on a particular um, network at any, on a regular basis. If you're trying to find me on 20 meters, you know, or whatever handband, I'm not regularly broadcasting. That's not really how amateur radio works. There are uh, what are called nets on amateur radio where on a daily or weekly basis, an organization will sponsor a 15 or 20 minute or a half hour or one hour net. A net is a regularly scheduled on air meeting where really anyone can jump in and uh, talk to and listen to and receive instruction from people about amateur radio subjects. Um, most of the ham clubs around the country have like a weekly net where they get on the air at a certain time. The members get on, they have their radios, they talk, they uh, you know, have announcements, they might do some education, right? Those are, those are nets. And there's a net controller who sort of runs the net but <clears throat> amateur radio is not really designed for one way, one person broadcasting a message to a wide audience. With amateur radio, 
the model is it's a two-way communication. I talk to you, you talk to me, or we talk as a group. It's not designed as a one-way broadcast medium. That's just not what it's designed for. So for me to get on on the air and do a 20-minute uh, monologue on amateur radio, it's not cool. Uh, that's, that's not what it's designed for. Um, so if you're looking for that kind of a, of a situation, it's not going to happen. Uh, I, I do regularly participate in some of the nets in the Phoenix area on, on radio, but I'm, I'm not there giving a, you know, 20 minute speech about what, you know, what's going on a news update. It's not what I do. I, I can't do that on amateur radio. Now, if, uh, if people in the Phoenix area get connected on the Arden network and we want to do Zoom conferencing and do video calling where I can do, you know, a, a message on a daily or weekly basis, that's something altogether different. Um, that's you actually can do. And that's what that is designed to do. So um, I'm not going to lie to you about the Arden mesh thing. It is a steep learning curve. Uh, I had been, I had a full head of hair before I started getting into mesh networking and I've just been pulling it out in handfuls every day. Uh, mesh networking is not for the faint of heart. Most of the people who do it have an IT background because you're dealing with routers and servers and all this other crap that can be quite technical. However, having said that, there's a way to make the learning curve shorter. What I said is true. If you're able, if you're able, or if you know someone who's able to take an antenna like this, and there's there's different versions of these antennas. Some of them are smaller, some of them are less expensive. This one isn't too expensive, it's about 80 bucks. Um, <clears throat> you can get some of these antennas that are smaller. They're 40, 50 bucks on Amazon. If you can take one of these antennas and get the software flashed onto this antenna, and download the program on your computer and connect the antenna to your computer and put this thing on a tripod uh, and point it at some other other place that has a, a similar dish or network or antenna, and you can connect to them, <clears throat> you can have a communications network. Uh, there are people in remote areas in Arizona that are where people are communicating and talking about putting up their own local mesh network. Up in Sholo, I'm talking to a guy up there. He is, uh, he's an electrical contractor <laughs> and he knows a lot about this stuff. And he and a couple of his friends are looking at putting up some nodes. And the thing about this particular networking is it's, it is a very, very high frequency. We're talking, uh, most of these uh, dishes work off either two, three, or five G. Five gigahertz, three gigahertz, two gigahertz. It's a very high frequency and it's very susceptible to uh, interruption. If you, it, the radio signal will not go through a tree. <laughs> so, so with with the lower frequency ham bands, like ten meters, twenty meters, forty meters, very long wavelength, and it'll penetrate through buildings, <clears throat> through trees, through the forest. Those frequencies will just go and go and go. They have a lot of power. Um, 
those are those are that's the HF band. The UHF band, especially the higher you get up into two, three, and five G, those frequencies do not penetrate much. Um, you have to have good, clear line of sight to get these antennas to talk to each other. You have any interruptions? You have a tree in the way. You're not going to have a good connection. I've got I've got a guy that lives about seven miles north of me, and he's got a tree on the south edge of his property, and he would be able to point his antenna right at me and connect with me, except there's a tree right at the south edge of his property. It's between us, <clears throat> and the radio signal won't reliably go through that tree. Every once in a while, I'll make a connection with him for about two or three minutes, and then boom, the wind will blow, and the tree, the foliage on the tree will move out of the way. I'll get a connection. Wind will blow back the other way, and the tree will be back in the way again, and I won't be able to get a connection. So the, the downside to um, these, the mesh networking with, with these high-frequency uh, devices is that you have to have clear line of sight. Mm -hmm. and, and in the Phoenix area, that is actually possible because, because of the mountains, right? Like you can go almost anywhere in the Phoenix area mm -hmm. and see the White Tank Mountains. You can see the Scottsdale you know, uh, Mountains. You can see the mountain, South Mountain, and that's where the radio towers are. So the the availability of line of sight because of the mountains makes the Phoenix area a really good option for um, for mesh networking. If you're in, if you live in an area that's relatively flat, it's a lot harder because then you're talking about putting your antenna up on a tower or a pole on your roof. And trying to make a connection to somebody, you know, five, 10 miles away, they also have to put their antenna up and get it elevated so you have good line of sight. If you live in a mountainous area, especially you live in a valley and there's antennas and nodes up on the mountains, you're golden. Pretty easy to do. Uh, so I, I guess that's kind of a wrap on, on the amateur uh, network stuff uh, or amateur radio. Uh, it's, it is a very, very deep, very complex subject. Um, I, I, I'm not the only one who's getting revelation about uh, making preparations for communications disruptions. I have a lot of friends who are getting dreams daily about communications disruptions. Um, not a lot of big name prophets are talking about that kind of stuff. That's fine. I don't really care. Uh, this is my assignment. <clears throat> this, is, this is the revelation that God's been giving me over the last three years. Um, and I, I got to go with what the Holy Spirit has given me. And the Holy Spirit has got me pretty hard on the trail of getting up to speed and getting operational on amateur radio. By the way, if you are on amateur radio and you're doing, uh, let's see, JS8 call, WinLink, uh, and all the digital modes, WSJTX, I have been operating on that stuff. I was on WinLink yesterday, and I was on uh, Vara Chat. I really love Vara Chat. It's a very good program. A lot of the digital modes, if you're out there, you can look up my call sign, KK7GSS. And if you find me on the air on any of the digital modes, just hit me up, and we'll have a QSO. Uh, <laughs> and for the most of you, that means nothing, and that's okay. Um, all right, so that's going to... That's going to be a wrap for today's show. Like I said, if you have any questions, comments, I want more information. 
send me an email, go to my website, prayingmedic.com, hit the contact page and you can email me or just send me a, an email at admin at prayingmedic.com. I do have another website, prayingmedic.org. That is our ministry website. If you need healing, uh, there's a whole bunch of videos on there. If you click the tab for healing, you'll it'll pull up uh, six different videos that I've done for healing on different subjects. Just listen to the video. Uh, we've been getting testimonies every day of people who have been healed, either through me praying for them or listening to the videos. A lot of people are getting healed praying for themselves. That's actually the goal. My goal is to teach people how to become prayer warriors who can release the power and authority that God has given us to heal ourselves and other people. If you have a prayer request, send it to me. If you have comments about radio, send it to me. Questions about prepping, send it to me. Uh, I'll see what I can do to answer your questions. I don't have all the answers, but I might be able to point you in the right direction. And uh, if you want to support our ministry, our nonprofit ministry, we have a Give, Send, Go page. It's Give, Send, Go forward slash PM. Uh, tax deductible donations uh, are accepted and greatly appreciated. All right, I'm going to get out of this uh, broadcast. I think I've been talking long enough today. Uh, thank you for joining me. Uh, I'm not sure what we're going to talk about on next month's broadcast, but I would encourage you all to listen to the Holy Spirit ask for revelation about what you should be preparing for, right? God's given me revelation about what I need to prepare for. You should be asking the Lord, what should you be preparing for? He'll give you specific revelation. Some people are being prepared, storing up food, you know, solar generators, all that. Other people, God's not telling you to prepare for stuff. So don't do something just because someone else is doing it. Ask for specific revelation from God about what you're supposed to be doing. President Trump is gonna be speaking in South Carolina this afternoon. There'll be, uh, there'll be a live stream available for that. I would encourage you to watch. And uh, you know we need to keep President Trump in prayer uh, and his people in prayer over the next few months. It's going to get difficult for him, but God is on the throne. God has a plan, this corrupt evil, cabal is coming down the global communist regime is coming down god's going to destroy it all and we have a lot of reasons to be optimistic it's going to be i think it's going to be a little bit difficult uh in the in the coming uh, six months to a year but on the other side of that on the other side of the storm it's going to be glorious we're going to have the greatest awakening spiritual awakening in the history of mankind all right that's it Love you all. Take care. I will catch you next month on Supernatural Saturday.